This week, we are looking at the story of John Wayne Gacy, the uh, guy, you've probably heard of him. He was a clown, and he murdered a lot of people. Um, maybe a common misconception, he didn't murder people while he was dressed as a clown, but, you know, I guess that doesn't really stop the fact that clowns are still kind of creepy. Um, but this is a long story, um, and maybe a, a full story that you may have never heard before. So strap in. It's our weird world. Our weird world. Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, fewer allergy problems this week. That 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 last episode was an adventure, um, and not just for the the Candyman story is I there were man I, I had some issues but I think I've worked through them I think we're all set now uh, and we're ready to dive into week two of Serial Killer September with the story of John Wayne Gacy. John Wayne Gacy was born on March 17, 1942 in Chicago. His father was a World War I veteran and more importantly, well, I mean, I guess at least for the context of this story, he was an abusive alcoholic. Uh, he frequently beat Gacy with belts and broomsticks and regular, regularly, there we go, I can't even talk now, uh, regularly told him that he was dumb, stupid, and quote, would probably grow up queer. Um, so solid start to a childhood. Um, (laughs) you know, when, when your abusive alcoholic father just kind of makes a prediction that you're going to grow up, uh, grow up gay, uh, and doesn't really love you for that. Um, you know, you're, you're not setting yourself up for success. Um, but I mean, to Gacy's father's credit, like Gacy was a troublemaker and, and it gave his father plenty of opportunities to beat him. Um, like for in one instance, Gacy was beaten with a belt after stealing a toy truck from a nearby store. He was beaten with a razor strop, which was like back in the 1940s and 50s, just that big old piece of leather that you use to sharpen razors. He was beaten with one of those after he was caught fondling a girl. So, you know, probably deserved that one. Um, Gacy was actually later molested by a family friend, but chose not to tell anyone in his family out of fear that his father would somehow blame him for it and give him another beating for getting molested. Uh, Gacy also had a heart condition, which, which prevented him from participating in any sort of physical activity. And so because of that, Gacy grew up to be just a pudgy little punching bag for, for not just his dad, but for all of the bullies at school. And by the time Gacy was in the fourth grade, he started suffering seizures, probably from all the beatings his dad was giving him, and actually spent some time in the hospital. Uh, his appendix also burst around this time, and none of that mattered to, mattered to his father, who just openly doubted that Gacy was actually having these problems and accused Gacy of faking all of the seizures and the appendix and everything. Uh by 1960, you know, Gacy had kind of grown up and he joined the Democratic Party and started campaigning for local politicians. His father, in a rare stroke of kindness, even though his father was hardcore Republican, was proud of Gacy for all the work that he was doing and bought him a car. 
Two years later, after several more you know fights with his father, Gacy drove out to Las Vegas and started working as a mortuary attendant. Um, even and and because he wasn't making enough money to rent his own place, Gacy just slept in the mortuary near the embalming room. And one night, Gacy watched as the mortician embalmed a recently deceased teenage boy. And once the mortician was gone, and this is where we kind of take a hard left turn here in the story, uh, Gacy stuffed himself into the coffin with that body and began caressing it. And he was so aroused and so shocked at how aroused he was at that that he immediately left Las Vegas and moved back to his parents' house in Chicago. Uh, four years later in 1964, Gacy graduated from Northwestern Business College. He got a job as a salesman for the Nunbush Shoe Company, and he married co-worker Marlon Myers. And shortly after the marriage, uh, Myers's father bought three KFC restaurants in Waterloo, Iowa, and gave Gacy the opportunity to move there to manage them. Um, when... He got to uh, Iowa. He also joined the JCs and rose to the rank of key man. Whatever that means, I don't know. And Gacy worked tirelessly in Waterloo, supporting his new family, managing his three restaurants, rising up the ranks in the JCs. By 1967, he was on the board of directors and he had two kids, Michael and Christine. Gacy's father had even visited him and apologized for all of the abuse he threw at him when he was a kid, even going so far as to say that he was wrong about Gacy. So everything was looking up like he was a successful KFC manager. That that sounds ironic, but, you know, he's a successful KFC manager. He was high up in the JCs, just killing it in Waterloo, Iowa. But Gacy was at this point, living a double life. Uh, he had turned his basement into a private club and, invi- and was inviting his KFC employees over there to drink, which was a problem since most of empl- his employees were teenagers. Um, and while all this was going on, Gacy was out cheating on his wife with what is apparently a very large prostitution population in Waterloo at the time. Um, and when he wasn't doing that, he was getting his teenage employees drunk and making sexual advances on them. And... If at any point his employees kind of refused, Gacy just kind of played it off as a joke. You know, it's just like, hey, 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 hey let me touch your wiener. Uh, no, please don't. Oh, come on. <laughs> I was just kidding. <laughs> That's a big joke. Happy gay. <laughs> gay stuff's funny. Come on, you get it. Yeah, I, I didn't really want to touch your wiener. Come on, let me touch your wiener. N- no, no I just, I'm, I'm just playing. I'm really just playing with you. I just, come on, let me please touch that wiener, your boy. No. I'm just, I mean, I'm kidding. I'm really kidding. Here, here, has has some more, has some more drink. That's that's fine. All right, uh, that went on probably a little too long. I'm sorry. Um, but Gacy, but Gacy didn't stop there though. He started luring luring teenage boys into his basement with claims that he had been commissioned by the government to perform homosexual experiments in the name of research, and that participants would spend, would receive fifty dollars. And as ridiculous as that sounds, that like Gacy was actually able to trick several boys into slurping his gherkin for in the name of you know government scientific research Ugh. anyway uh in march 1968 one of gacy's victims a 15 year old donald Voorhees, told his father what had happened and gacy was arrested for oral sodomy on Voorhees and an attempted assault on another teen gacy obviously denied those charges saying they were politically motivated since Voorhees's father had opposed gacy's nomination for president of the iowa jc's club who knew 
that, you know, the president of the JC's club could become such a dirty political battle, you know, by exposing the truth of, you know, underage sexual assault. Anyway, uh, on August 30th in 1968, Gacy paid 18-year-old Russell Schroeder $300 to assault Voorhees as a way to persuade him not to testify at the trial. And even though the attack was successful, Schroeder was arrested and confessed that Gacy was involved in the plot. So, in addition to the sodomy charge, Gacy was also indicted on assault and intimidation charges. He was under he was ordered to undergo a psych Psychiatric. Wow, I am like stumbling today. Hardcore. That's, I'm sorry. Let's try that again. In addition to the sodomy charge, Gacy was indicted on assault and intimidation charges. And as part of his sentencing, he was ordered to undergo a psychiatric evaluation where he was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder. But the psychiatrist noted that he likely wouldn't benefit from therapy and would ultimately become a repeat offender. So... No, just kidding. I was going to tell you they let him walk free, but they actually didn't. Uh, Gacy was convicted of the sodomy charge and was sentenced to 10 years at the Anamosa State Penitentiary. At that point, uh, Gacy's wife filed for divorce and was awarded the couple's home, property, and sole custody of the kids. And at that point, Gacy never saw them again. And, you know, probably probably didn't care either. Uh, Once he he arrived in prison, Gacy returned to his entrepreneurial, ambitious ways. Um, He became the head cook and grew the inmate JC chapter from 50 to 650 members in less than 18 months. He even lobbied to get a miniature golf course installed in the prison, which, like, what? Like, no. Like, if you're a prisoner, you don't get to do things that free people should be able to do, you know? Like, nah, can't, I can't get on board with that. Um, on, uh, June 18th, 1970, Gacy was released on parole and he was ordered to move back in with his mother in Chicago and observe a 10 PM curfew every night. Um, but less than a year later, Gacy was charged with sexually assaulting another teenage boy, but the charges were dropped when the victim failed to show up to court. But you know what? Like, here's, here's the problem with that. Doesn't matter. You know, if the victim never showed up. Like if you were put in prison and you were on parole for, you know, doing stuff to a teenage boy and then you get accused of doing it again, you probably did it again. And even worse, um, this charge was also never relayed to the Iowa Board of Parole and it would have actually been a violation of his parole. Instead, the parole ended in October 1971, which gave Gacy the green light to be a free man and buy a house in the suburb of Chicago. On January 2nd, 1972, Gacy saw 16-year-old Timothy McCoy sitting at the bus station. McCoy was going from Michigan to Omaha, and Gacy offered to take McCoy around Chicago you know, to see the sights and even let him spend the night at his house before taking him back to the bus station to continue his trip. The next morning, Gacy awoke to see McCoy standing at the bedroom door holding a knife. And immediately, Gacy flipped out because he thought that McCoy was about to murder him, which you know, guilty conscience. You you probably, you know, I I don't, I don't blame him. Um, Gacy jumped out of bed, wrestled the knife away from McCoy, who tried to fight back by kicking Gacy in the stomach. But Gacy was a pretty big dude and much larger than McCoy. So he, and he forced himself on top of McCoy, stabbing him several times with the knife and killing him. And after everything was over, Gacy went into the kitchen where he saw eggs and bacon on the kitchen table where McCoy had been preparing breakfast for the two. And at that point, it's just like, oh, 
That's unfortunate. And realizing his mistake, Gacy stuffed McCoy into the crawl space and covered it with concrete. And besides just realizing that he had just murdered this kid, he also had another big epiphany. And that it was even though he was physically and mentally just drained by this murder, he also had what he quoted was a mind-numbing orgasm as he killed McCoy. And from that day on, he believed that killing someone was the ultimate thrill that someone could achieve or experience. Um, Over the next year, uh, Gacy didn't kill anybody, but instead he reconnected with a former high school girlfriend named Carol Hoff, who at that point was on her own divorced with two kids, and the two ended up getting married. Gacy, uh, shortly after the marriage, Gacy was charged with aggravated battery after impersonating a police officer and attempting to lure a teenage boy into his car to gobble some knob. However, those charges were also dropped when the accuser tried to blackmail Gacy into paying him to recant his statement. So you got, since he's been, you know, in, out of prison, he's had two more charges of, you know, sexual assault on teenage boys, but he's gotten out of them both. So After the second marriage, uh, Gacy decided to start his own construction company and began hiring more teenage workers just like he had done at the KFC in Iowa. In 1973, he took an employee to Florida to look at a property the company had purchased. And on the first night there, Gacy raped the boy in the hotel room. Um, when, and and, you know, that's pretty much it. Like when, and when they got back to Chicago, the boy confronted Gacy about it and started beating him up. The boy's mother actually intervened and Gacy lied to his wife about the incident, claiming that the boy just got mad at him because they didn't get paid or the boy didn't get paid. And that, you know, that was apparently it. Like, you know, even the, the boy and his parents didn't file charges or anything like that. So that's, that's the third time he's gotten away with it. Um, despite all this boy rape, Gacy continued his activism in the community. He was appointed to serve on the street lighting committee, which was apparently a thing in Chicago. Uh, he was also named the director of Chicago's annual Polish constitution day parade. Uh, Gacy's grandparents had actually immigrated from Poland. So that's where that connection is. Um, he was also active in the local moose club and became involved in the jolly joker clown club, which is where the whole clown, uh, part of the story comes in. Um, the jolly joker clown club, which is a great name by the way. Uh, was a group of clowns who performed at parades, fundraisers, and for sick kids in hospitals because if you're a sick kid in hospital, the the number one thing you want to have visit you is a scary-looking clown. And Gacy was a scary-looking clown. Like, you can look up pictures uh, of his characters named Pogo and Patches. I, I guess he had two different two different clown characters, but uh, they, they were super creepy. Like, the... Like, I don't know if he did it on purpose, but the makeup for those things is crazy. Like, go look it up. It's like Pogo and Patches the Clown. Super creepy. Anyway, uh, 1975, Gacy told his wife that he was bisexual and after having sex with her on Mother's Day, told her that it would be the last time he was ever going to do it with her, which is super cold. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, after after that, you know, confession, Gacy started coming home after midnight every night claiming that he was just working late at his construction company. Um, but his wife didn't really believe him, especially after seeing Gacy bring home several teenage boys to their basement and finding gay porn, you know, sprinkled around the house. Uh, and at that point, the two got divorced the next year. 
Meanwhile, even though, you know, home life is kind of destroyed, the construction business is booming, which meant Gacy was able to expand his workforce with more teenage boys. And at this point, the the whole homosexual government experiment trick, which Gacy was still using, by the way, it really wasn't working as well as it used to. So Gacy tried to do something different. He began getting the kids drunk and convincing them to wear handcuffs. And the whole deal was that if they could free themselves from the restraints, they could leave the house, which seems like a bad deal. It's like, hey, let me handcuff you. And if you, if you, you know, if you, if you break free, uh, I'll just, I'll just let you leave at that, that. Seems, I mean, I why can't I just leave now? No, 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 man, no. Why don't you, this is just a fun game. It's, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> I'm Pogo the Clown. <laughs> okay, this <laughs> my Gacy character is getting real weird. Um, but you know, the it, it's that's what they would do, and, and the Gacy would let him get into the handcuffs, and they couldn't get out, and then Gacy would just look at him and be like. You know, the trick is uh, you got to have the key. (laughs) And then Gacy would just rape and torture his victims while they were handcuffed, which, you know, probably made it easier, but also, you know, way more traumatizing for for the victims, I guess. Um, If he didn't do the handcuff trick, Gacy then uh, did the rope trick, which really just involved Gacy placing a rope around his victims' necks and strangling them to death. There really wasn't much of a trick to it. And for the next three years, Gacy killed over 30 teenage boys this way, stuffing their bodies in the crawl space of his house once he was done. And when he began running out of room in the crawl space, he started dumping bodies in the De Plains River. On December 11th, 1978, Gacy met with Phil Torf, owner of a De Plains pharmacy, uh, to talk about remodeling his building. And during the conversation, Gacy mentioned that his company employed teenage boys at $5 per hour, which I guess in the late 70s was a ton of money. Robert Peist, who worked at the pharmacy and made half that wage, followed Gacy out to talk about working for him. And at that point, Peist was never seen again. Um, This time, you know, unlike somehow like all the other (laughs) like 30 parents before, uh, Peist's parents quickly filed a missing persons report. And Gacy was immediately noted as the person that, you know, the boy was last seen with. And Gacy fiercely denied that he had anything to do with it and even volunteered to show up to the police station to make a statement. And that's all well and good, except he showed up at the police station at 3 a.m. covered in mud and just totally disheveled. Just, whatever, I don't, I don't know. And, but, you know, he claimed that he had just been in a car accident, that, you know, nothing totally, like he hadn't just gotten done burying a body or something, you know. Um, however, Deplane police, uh, smartly pulled Gacy's record and saw both the battery and sodomy charges from back in Iowa. They searched his house on December 13th, where they found handcuffs, books on homosexuality and pedophilia, which by the way, who's making books on pedophilia? Like you gotta have, like, you know, I've written some books in my day, but if I suddenly announce like, Hey guys, my next book is going to be on pedophilia. Like people are going to have some questions. And then to and then if someone buys that book, like who is buying these books on pedophilia? That's weird, man. It's real weird. <laughs> um, I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Police also found a syringe, boys' clothing, and a pistol. And at that point, Gacy was placed on surveillance. Um, and while police suddenly started realizing that several dozens even uh, of for, of Gacy's former employees at the construction company had been reported missing. But, you know, I, I guess 
I, I forgot about that detail when I said the thing before, but you know, you, you got to, you know, who's like all these kids are being reported missing and the police are just not doing anything about it. I mean, I mean, I know the seventies were a different time. I guess we're just kids just running away that much that police were just like, yeah, they'll come back. You know, they're like dogs. They'll find their way home. Um, by December 18th, Gacy was getting real tired of the surveillance and filed a civil suit against the Deplane police. However, the, the police, uh, you know, they kept working and gathered even more evidence from various interviews and decided to conduct a second search of Gacy's house. When surveillance detectives arrived to do their daily check-in, one detective noticed the smell of rotting flesh coming from an air vent above the bathroom. However, the detective decided it was nothing and he moved on. Like, that's not even, like, a, a misdirection. He just, like, hmm, that smells like rotting flesh coming from the vent. That's probably nothing. And they left, and they moved on. Um, even though the air vent wasn't investigated, evidence, other evidence just continued to pile up on Gacy. And figuring it was only a matter of time before he was arrested, uh, a disheveled Gacy drove to his lawyer's office, uh, you know, to, I guess, to make his confession. And when his lawyer asked what Gacy wanted to discuss, Gacy grabbed a copy of the Daily Herald with a front page article covering Pice's disappearance. <laughs> the boy's dead. Yeah, he's in the river. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, he didn't, he didn't get fifty dollars out. You know, he, he thought it was a government experiment. <laughs> I don't even know if Gacy really talked like that. That's just the the voice I've given him in my head. So. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm Pogo the Clown. <laughs> KFC. <laughs> Extra crispy. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Anyway. Oh, man. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, he confessed uh, about Peist's murder um, and, and that he had uh, dumped the body in the Deplane River. Um, over the next few hours, Gacy not only confessed to Peist's murder, but he had confessed to several others and that most of the bodies were buried in his crawl space. Um, his lawyers pleaded with him to meet with a psychiatrist about all of this, but he said no. And he just, and he drove around uh, Chicago visiting various friends and business partners to say his goodbyes, you know, and like, like that's a, that's a weird conversation. You know, it's like, Hey, Hey, Hey John, how you doing? <laughs> well, yeah, I, 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 guys, I'm day. Uh, I, I, I killed about 30 people and I'm going to go away for a long time. So, you know, it, 30 people yeah yeah give, give or take a few um that that's an actual quote by the way i didn't just make that up he's just yeah give or take a few <laughs> it's no big deal um police arrived at gacy's home on the evening of december 21st to find that gacy had actually flooded his crawl space in one final attempt to get away with all the murder but after draining the area an evidence technician named daniel ginty went in and within minutes found bones and putrefied flesh um his <laughs> One quote that I enjoy from him, he's just like, I think this place is full of kids. You know, it's like, yeah, good observation. Um, in the end, Gacy was charged with 33 murders. His trial began on February 6th, 1980. And his lawyers tried the insanity plea. But over a month later, Gacy was officially convicted of 12 murders and sentenced to death. And on May 9th, 1994, after several appeals, Gacy was given the lethal injections. Over a thousand people, mostly in support of the execution, gathered outside the prison on the day of his death. And that is the end of our story. Oh, man. There we go. I don't know. I don't know if Gacy's going to become a recurring character or not, but 
that's that was a fun voice to do. So pretty long story there, but there's a lot of important details there in the story. And so now let's see what we learned. What did we learn? Number one, I I still don't know what the JCs are. I mean, I could probably look real quick. I mean, it's probably like a 4-H club, you know, some weird agricultural, you know, Masonic lodge type thing. But um, yeah, apparently it's a big deal. And John Wayne Gacy uh, really, really made his way through that uh, that whole organization. Uh, number two, uh, even though he's technically known as the killer clown and his clown characters are super creepy, as far as I can tell, John John Wayne Gacy never actually murdered someone as a clown. You know, people have just taken this whole clown thing and blown it up because, I mean, appropriately, you know, clowns are creepy, but it really had very little to do with his overall murder spree. Uh, and number three, you know, let's all just be take this as a reminder to to be good parents, to not, you know, even if you think your kid's going to grow up gay, just keep that one to yourself. Next week on Our Weird World, it's probably going to be the longest episode we've ever done, and it's only going to be about one guy, about Andre Chikatilo, uh, one of the, probably, if not the most, one of the most prolific serial killers of all time. Uh, obviously he's from Russia. So, you know, maybe that's why you haven't heard of him before, you know, doesn't get the headlines that, you know, maybe Gacy or Ted Bundy got, but, uh, Chikatilo is a terrible person. Well, was a terrible person. Spoiler alert. He's dead. Um, so thank you for listening Tell all your friends and keep it weird. Oh, hey, hey, oh, yeah. hey, hey, let me see that wiener boy. <laughs> Hello. No, 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 it's okay. You know, it's just, uh, no, the government, you know, they told me that, uh, you know, I just got to do this experiment to uh, check for homosexuality. And, uh, you know, basically I just got to, I just got to stick your wiener in my mouth real quick. <laughs> I know it sounds gay. It's not gay. Uh, and it's just, no, no, man, I'm just kidding. It's a big old joke, you know, you know, you know, you know how it is, you know, <laughs> you know, government's real paranoid. Who all the gays running around. I'm just kidding. That is funny. Being gay is funny. I'm Pogo the Clown. <laughs>